Hi, this is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. Increasing tariffs and the threat of a global trade war is something that all senior-level financial executives need to consider when planning for their organization's financial future. But how can you do that when the policies seem to change on a daily basis? We speak with Philip Sutter, Director of U.S. Regulatory Affairs of the global trade broker Livingston International, regarding his advice to clients when it comes to the global disruption in tariffs and trade. So I, I guess uh, the first question I want to start off, uh, Phil, is sort of maybe you could describe uh, what you do and, and who you work for. Okay. I work for Livingston International. So we are one of the major brokers in North America uh, covering uh, Canada and the United States. Um, we have other um, business lines Um we have a very vigorous uh, global trade management group uh, that is, um, as, as in the name, global. Uh, we have uh, operations, again, in Canada and the U.S., but as well Mexico, uh, extensive in Europe, and uh, also in Asia. Um, personally, my group, I'm the uh, director of U.S. Regulatory Affairs, so um I handle these kinds of matters, you know, dealing with uh, trade regulations and trade policies that come out and try to, um, you know, disseminate that information to the company, uh, both in, you know, informational and uh, explanatory of, of just what they need to watch out for. Um, my staff is, uh, you know, very experienced and knowledgeable um, and so on a daily basis, we're handling uh, various uh, advisory uh, issues. So it's a, it's a kind of a unique uh, resource, I think, within the industry. So the, the team can is constantly fielding questions, you know, to help uh, our various offices across, um, you know, across the company to, to do things compliantly and to, to you know, to understand uh, the nuances of some of these issues that come up. Great. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Perfect. So I, I guess the, my first question is sort of the big question. Might as well get it out of the way. Is the U.S. in a trade war and is it in a trade war with everyone or just a few people? Well, uh, I guess in general, I would say that it, it's kind of too soon to know that. Um, um, certainly. There are various uh, negotiations going on, like the NAFTA renegotiation, the chorus uh, renegotiation that was completed. Um, and of course, there's the trade remedies um, that have happened or will happen uh, and the countermeasures that have taken place. But, um, you know, there are upcoming negotiations, uh, discussions, you know, NAFTA, renegotiations will resume uh, at the end of the month. Um, I believe some uh, trade envoys from China and Europe will be in Washington uh, as well soon. Um, so when I say it's too soon, it's like, you know, some of these are in place, some of them are coming. Will, will, will those, uh, could they be stopped? Yes. I mean, um, both the ones that are coming and the ones that are in place. I mean, they could, 
turn it around, you know, just as quickly as they came in. So um, some of these, most of these have not been in, in play for, um, for very long. Uh, you know, it's all mostly happened in, in just the, you know, the months of this year so far. Um, and, you know, things, things have been changing pretty, pretty rapidly. I mean, just today, um, you know, there was another new Section 232 investigation uh, that was opened up on uranium. Um, you know, so there are a number of things pending, uh, but, you know, I, I guess I would just, you know, in general hesitate to call it a trade war at this point. When, when would you feel comfortable calling off? A, when do you think the consensus is, okay, we're in a trade war, or, or do you, you never get there? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you when you look at the numbers, um, various trade actions that are uh, trade remedies that are in play, um, they uh, are more than encompassed by what may yet come. Um, Section 301, for example, um, there's $34 billion of imports that are affected uh, by a 25% tariff that started on July 6th. Um, there's another 16 billion um, that may come into play you know, next month uh, and another 200 billion that could come into play um, sometime like around September. Um, but if you add up all the things that have happened so far, that section 201 to and the 232 steel aluminum, um, you know, they, they don't even add up to that 200 billion. So, you know, I guess at some point you'd have to call it a, a, a trade war, but I mean, you know, there's still, a, you know, relatively um, smaller numbers, you know, um, like, um, you know, China, for example, you know, there's 34 billion in play right now, but, you know, total exports or total imports from China is more than 500 uh, billion. So, you know, if it ramps up all the way, I mean, we're going to, you know, could potentially have everything covered at some point. Do, do you, you know, in your experience, I guess, not only in your career, but from your historical perspective, are there, is there any precedence for, for the type of tariffs, the type of back and forth we're seeing right now and for, in, in just in the overall amount of disputes going on right now? Is there, is there anything that's happened in the past 50 years, the past 100 years? How would you describe that? Well, uh, I don't think anything in, in my career span. It doesn't go back 50 or 100 years. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, these actions, is, is the two. 232 and 301, you know, there have been 232 and 301 actions in the past, um, you know, not in, you know, in groups like this in, in quick succession. I guess if you went back in history, um, you know, you'd look at like the Smoot-Hawley Trade Act of, of 1930 um, that significantly raised tariffs on like 20,000 imported goods. Um, and that, as I understand, that was like the second largest um, tariff act. Uh, there was one a hundred years previous to that, the um, so-called tariff uh, of 1828, which was known as the tariff of, of abomination. So it had a big impact on the Southern states. Um, you know, um, that, that put a 38% tariff on just virtually everything um, uh, that was imported at the time. So, 
Um, you know, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen anything and it's been a while um, since we've seen anything like that. So you don't think there's sort of a playbook or, a, you know, something that sort of says, oh, we've seen this before. So this this is likely like what's going to happen. Um, are, are, I guess am I essentially saying is the U.S. in sort of new territory when it comes to these sort of trade disputes and, and U.S. companies in new territory when managing these sort of trade disputes? Well, uh, yeah, I don't think like like I haven't seen these things uh, in, in this kind of volume. Uh, so I imagine, you know, most have not as well. So, uh, you know, there is a large uh, learning curve to understand how to, um, you know, comply and deal with these things, um, you know, within a company's uh, supply chain. So which, which uh, speaking of that, which industries do you see that are being impacted most now and the ones you think are going to really be hit in the near future? Yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, there's been certain, um, you know, targeted ones, like uh, the very first one that we would talk about is like Section 201, um, which is, um, which affected uh, back in February, solar cells and washing machines um, that that accounted for about $10 billion of imports. Uh, and then there was the, the Section 232 that came in, uh, I guess I'd call it in various stages because there was initially country exemptions, uh, which for the most part have been peeled back, but that affected the steel and aluminum um, inputs. Uh, uh, you know, so, and then the other one that's in play right now, active is the section 301, I'll call it list one, which is on, um, is more broad than those other ones on industrially, industrially significant technology you know, so your more high level um, machines and apparatus. Um, and that's only on China. You know, the other ones were on you know, across the board. Um, so I think once you, it, it, it's pretty targeted, you know, with the exception, exception of China, because if the, the, the 200 billion, uh, which I would refer to as list three, you know, you're going to get into all kinds of different products, uh, agriculture products, chemicals, fuel, wood, paper, building products, um, you know, and then additional higher level products, uh, tools, engines, machines, automatic data processing, all kinds of electronics, auto parts, you know, like I mentioned, I mean, if they do that um, remedy, uh, and then, you know, if China continues to retaliate, um, just about everything from China at some point will be covered. Um, what else, you know, from other countries? I mean, right now it's just limited to those things. Uh, the one thing that would be broader, uh, I would say that might potentially happen is, you know, whatever happens with the NAFTA renegotiation. So that's right. kind of a wild card, right? Right. So, you know, I guess the follow-up to that is, are are our supply chains being affected right now? Or is that something you see happening more when sort of the broader tariffs go in place for like, um, as you said, some like materials? Or, or, or are they being affected right now? 
don't know. I mean, definitely the supply chains are affected. I mean, I guess I would say that even if you're not uh, an importer, uh, you, you're affected. I mean, um, the, the, the inputs that you buy, I mean, these supply chains are deep and, and, you know, if you're building something that contains steel and aluminum, the, the odds are that somewhere up downstream um, or upstream, I should say, um, you know, it, it has a, a imported steel or aluminum in it, um, you know, so it's going to be affected. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the challenges I think for financial executives is, you know, to, you know, to be aware, to be cognizant, you know, uh, of, of that, um, you know, how, how have they structured, you know, their purchase orders uh, to, to account for that? Are they liable for those price increases, you know, to, to compensate their suppliers for the duty that they may be incurring? Yeah, that was going to be part of my question is, is that, um, you know, certainly our members and, and people we speak to, they love certainty, right? They love the fact yeah. that they can plan ahead and understand what the, at least have somewhat of understanding what the future is going to hold. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, invoices and procurements, you know, that, that's sort of the here and now. How, how are you talking to you know, CFOs and others or anybody in the industry about planning, future planning for this? How do you, how do you, or is, can you plan for this sort of disruption in trade that's happening right now? Yeah, it's very difficult to be completely um, predictive. Uh, we kind of, you know, discussions we've had, you know, emphasize the, at least right now, short-term flexibility you know, you don't want to jump too soon, like, you know, the, close down your plant in one country and open it up somewhere else. I mean, uh, that might be, you know, jumping too fast. Like, like we said, uh, these things can change quickly. So, um, but you need to have the, the long-term visibility, you know, that, that, that these things might happen. Um, and, and right now emphasize your sh short-term flexibility. So what can you do to build in that? Um, kind of redundancy, you know, do you already have that redundancy so you can react uh, and make some, uh, you know, quick changes, quick tweaks to your supply chain? Uh, and if you don't, you know, what are you doing, you know, as part of your plan to, to, to build that in, to build in options in your, uh, your supply base? Um, I mean, you mentioned uncertainty, certainly, um, the, the three big drivers of, of uh, problem, I, I would say, you know, it's uncertainty, it's complexity, uh, and those two things then driving costs. Obviously, there's the cost of the tariffs, but there's also an administrative cost uh, to to try to cope with the, you know, understanding because there's, you know, a, a number of things uh, that can, can go wrong. Um, with uh, with trying to deal with these issues, um, and and I think that they these trade remedies and the, you know these negotiations renegotiations uh, magnify the imp inherent compliance. Um, to, you know, there's there's always supply chain risk, but you know, and compliance risk to to deal with. Um, you know, that's why companies like Livingston exist. But I mean, it's even more important 
now because it's magnified. Um, and that, that all equates to, you know, more, more risk, more, more exposure. Right. right. Um, you've got a, I mean, there, every element of, you know, the, uh, across border transaction, you know, that's important, uh, for compliance and, um, and accuracy and reducing risk is, is magnified. So like, you know, the classification, um, you know, we've had clients, you know, that want us to look at their, you know, classifications and, you know, you know, you got to verify, I mean, these, these lists like the, the section 232 steel lists are driven by classification. Mm. So you got to get that, you got to get that right. Uh, both ways. I mean, you know, you, you, you are highly exposed if you've classified it incorrectly and, and, and you're not paying the, the duty. Uh, you, know, you could be subjected to penalties. Conversely, you don't want to pay it, if, obviously, if you don't um, owe it or shouldn't owe it. So you got to take a look at that and check that accuracy. Um, with tariffs, you know, coming up to 25% um, valuation, is critical. So how have you structured your uh, customs transaction? You know, do you, are you accurately stating your value? I mean, obviously you always want to, you must um, report the correct value, but um, you know, if there's any issue with that right now, what opportunities do you have to, to restructure your, uh, your transactions, you know, to, to take advantage of, of uh, potentially, you know, lowering that cost somehow. Uh, these, all of these remedies are driven by, you know, country of origin, you know, are you reporting that correctly? Again, you know, these are all things that you need to report correctly to begin with, but it's magnified now. Right. Uh, you know, going on, there's other things that, that really, uh, can trip you up. Uh, the section 232, uh, has what are called absolute quotas. Um, for certain countries. So um, Brazil, Argentina, and South Korea all have a absolute quota for steel and Argentina has an absolute quota for aluminum. Um, by absolute quota, that means once you, once uh, a certain uh, amount volume of that steel category. So there's like 53 different steel categories. Once that limit is reached, for the year, you can't import anymore. If it shows up at the border, if you if you haven't paid attention to that, and and the and those goods arrive, they can't be imported. They they you could put them into a bonded warehouse or a foreign trade zone, but they'd have to sit there, you know, uh, for months maybe until you know the quota reopens uh, at the beginning of 2019. Actually, it would be February, I think, you know, because uh, I think it's one year from from the date of inception. Um, so that there's things like that. And, and we may see more of, of that uh, right now. Uh, Europe, um, you know, didn't want to make any concessions or whatever to avo to avoid and continue their exemption that they had up through June 1st. Um, maybe that changes. Maybe, you know, maybe the tariffs... Uh, are uh, eliminated, but then they have to subject be subject to one of these absolute quotas. So, uh, 
you know, if you're not dealing with uh, Brazil, Argentina, and South Korea today, but you're dealing with with Europe, uh, you know, you're avoiding that complexity of the quota. But I mean, if that comes in, you know, imagine how complex that would be with you know 28 additional countries um, subject to an absolute quota. So uh, one other one. Sorry, go ahead. uh, one other thing that comes into play has come into play and will continue to be uh, an issue to watch are the deadlines. Um, you know, uh, the 232 came into play on March 23rd. It had different changes uh, due to changing exemptions on May 1st and June 1st. Uh, the 301 came in on July 6th. Um, so, you know, you you could have avoided some of that uh, tariff if you got your goods into the U.S. ahead of those dates. So you have to be really watching ahead. So, you know, looking ahead, you know, there's a big uh, 232 investigation on uh, automobiles and auto parts. Right. Uh, that could be a very expensive tariff. So, um, you, know, you, you, you know, as a planner, you got to really watch that. And, you know, you know, it gets back to that flexibility. If you can, um, you know, kind of be predictive or, or take, you know, take some calculated, um, you know, you know, kind of cut your losses kind of thing, uh, maybe brings, bring uh, a higher inventory uh, into the country earlier than you normally would have and, and, you know, kind of beat the clock at that point. With all this complexity and all the planning that has that goes into just understanding and implementing the tariffs and the trade restrictions, do do you think there's the I don't know how to describe it, the proper level of freak out going on in, among the people you speak to in in the industries or in the private sector? Do do or, or do you think there's underestimating the, the amount of complexity, or you think that everybody's got a pretty much decent idea about what's involved here? I mean, I think uh, the trade, you know, Livingston and other companies have, you know, I mean, really stepped up to uh, provide information. I mean, I think, I think early on we saw, you know, a bit of, you know, denial Mm -hmm. that it was happening, but I, I mean, I think people realize, you know, these are, these aren't just, um, you know, empty threats, you know, they will be implemented, you know, um, if certain conditions are existing. So, you know, there may be still some of that, but I mean, I think most involved in it at this point must know, I mean, especially the the ones that that have to foot the the bill, uh, to pay these, uh, these duties, um, you know, if they weren't, woken up before, you know, those kind of bills will, will wake you up. I guess my, my final question, the $64,000 question is, um, how is this going to end? Is it going to end? Everything's going to revert back or is, or is the landscape permanently changed or can you even tell right now? Well, I mean, I think there's like, there's different negotiations going on and, and, and they all, I mean, all these things kind of, you know, to the outsider kind of glommed together. But I mean, I think, you know, there's certainly a, a China issue and, 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 you know, I don't think the United States is the only 
country, um, you know, that has issues, you know, with with policies that that China has, such as technology transfer and you know rules about foreign ownership and such. You know, so uh, that 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 didn't just start. You know, so that's gonna it's, it's just another chapter in that struggle. Um, you know what's going you know we don't know exactly what's being negotiated with with Europe i mean there was the uh the nato meetings just last week uh, you know one of the issues was you know the the country uh, eu country contribution for nato i mean i think that's probably one you know um you know the tariffs that they have on our products like you know the the 10% tariff on on autos that they have versus our two and a half percent. I mean, I think that's part of it, you know, you know, so how will all that play out? You know, nobody knows. Um, you know, then, then another thread would be, you know, the NAFTA renegotiation and, and, uh, you know, what they want to achieve with that. So, um, you know, th th there's the concern over the, you know, the loss of manufacturing in the U S so, you know, so there's a number of different themes, a number of different, uh, you know, levers in these negotiations that could change things. So no end in sight at this point. Well, no predicted. I, you know, I'm not going to I can't predict a, an end. I mean, you know, um, so it's, it's not in the foreseeable future. I mean, but, it, you know. Could it, could it end quickly? Yeah, it could. <laughs>